Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome back to Pod Save the Queen, the Daily Mirror's royal podcast. I'm your host, Anne Gripper, and I'm joined once again by Victoria Murphy, the Daily Mirror's royal correspondent. Hello. And Amber Grafland, our fashion director. Hello. Nice to have you back, ladies. Although I did have a lovely chat with Jenny Bond no, of the I'm BBC jealous. last week. <laughs> um, I know there were a few, um, the sound quality wasn't as good as maybe it sometimes is because we were on a phone line to Skype. So for our listeners, I um, hope you enjoyed the, the chat anyway. But we're back in the studio today. So lots to talk about uh, with Victoria and Amber. Um, We'll be talking about royal wedding things a bit later on, but first I wanted to start with Kate because it's not long to go now until the royal baby. The royal baby will be here before the royal wedding, so we should talk about Kate. She is now on maternity leave. She's done her last official engagement before having the baby. So um, talk us, talk, tell us a bit about it. Vic. Yeah, so her maternity leave has officially started. Um, like she did with her previous two pregnancies, she's finished work around three weeks to a month before the baby's due. It gives her a bit of downtime before it's born. Um, she's very busy, actually, in the weeks leading up to going on maternity leave. I think busier than she was, certainly with George and possibly as well with Charlotte. She had lots of engagements in the last few weeks. And I think that's a reflection of... Um, the fact that the royals recognise that it's important for them to be seen to be working, to be seen to be busy and there has been a bit of criticism on William and Kate in the last few years about not doing enough. Um, I don't think anyone would criticise her when she's heavily pregnant but the fact that she's been out and about so much at the end of her pregnancy really sends that message that she's very willing to work, she's very keen to do what she can when she can so that she's able to take a bit of time away when she has the baby. Um, we understand that she'll probably, in the same way she did with George and Charlotte, take a few months of maternity leave, so we won't be expecting to see her much over the spring and the summer and maybe into the autumn. Um, she'll be focusing on her family. She's obviously going to have three under five for a small, small amount of time, and she does have help. Um, that's something that they've always obviously accepted. She's not we're not trying to compare her to you know a mother who's looking after three children by herself because she's clearly not doing that but she does want to do as much as possible um and so you know she's intends to be spending time with her family her last engagement nice low-key relaxed event she and William went to um the copper box at Stratford's Olympic in the Olympic Park in Stratford East London and they joined in an event with Kate's charity Sports Aid which is a charity which um, gives money and support to aspiring athletes. Um, a lot of Britain's very successful Olympians and Paralympians have actually been helped by Sports Aid throughout the early part of their careers. So it's a big charity and she's done various things with them since she became patron many years ago. I think it was either 2012, 2013, she took on that charity. So, uh, you know, she's, she's a keen sportswoman. She wasn't getting very actively involved obviously eight months pregnant she was wearing massively high heels though so she's clearly feeling quite good about being up and about um but yeah it was it was it was a nice event we're not expecting to see her one caveat i would say is that the royal family is attending um, the service for easter sunday which they always attend at st george's chapel windsor the queen and members of her family um and it's possible not being um 
not been kind of given the nod either way yet, but we may see Kate at that with the other royals. We and may not. She's been looking really good the last few weeks as well, I think. I think it's a combination of coming out of winter and being able to wear some more like spring-like outfits and that kind of thing. But some of her, um, maybe it's also just late pregnancy, yeah. feeling good about well, life. Well, it's amazing because when you think the beginnings of her pregnancy, she's been feeling so terrible. And you almost forget that now because she just seems completely fine completely recovered up and about looking great looking very active a lot of people don't feel that active that late on in their pregnancies she's obviously very fit and healthy and been always been very sporty which probably helps um so clearly she's feeling good and you know she's always had her previous two births have um from what we know been very straightforward good births good labors um you know she came out of hospital just a few hours after giving birth to charlotte so uh, we're hoping that this next one will go the same way for her there's been talk in the past that she might want to have a home birth do you think that could ever happen i mean the queen was born at home back in the day people used there's to no do that plans for that to happen um now were she not royal possibly because as i said she's had two very good births um she has had top gynecologists and obstetricians on hand but actually we understand that the majority of her labor has been managed by midwives and she has wanted to avoid as much intervention as possible um, and have natural births as much as possible and has succeeded in doing that Um, and with Charlotte if you look she went into the hospital very very late she had most of her labor at home I think she was admitted uh, sometime in the early hours of the morning and, and had Charlotte a few hours later so She's clearly not looking for big medicalised labours, but this baby will be born in the Lindo wing. Um, the intention is for her to go into hospital and then in exactly the same way she did with George and Charlotte to come out and pose on those hospital stairs. All the plans are in place for that to happen, so there's no plans in place for a home birth. And so we'll probably get another nice, nice outfit on the steps. It's been Jenny Packham twice so far i'd be very surprised if we didn't have a jenny peckham hat trick um interestingly you know there were two dresses ready on when um after prince george was born jenny peckham had made her a polka dot pink dress and a polka dot blue dress which i think is really sweet so she was ready to go either way didn't know what she was having obviously um and then obviously after um prince princess charlotte she wore yellow so yeah but what's it going to be this time i think you, you had a good chat with green i think green is she does look mm. great in green. I think I always think Kate looks brilliant in green. So who knows? Maybe it this time, nice she... pale pastely green. It's yeah. very pastels are very the fashionable spring. at the moment. In it's interesting that you say she was going to wear pink or blue with yep. George, but she went for a unisex colour with Charlotte. So yes. that's interesting. Maybe she's going to go for the same green as the other yeah. obvious unisex colour, isn't it? Well, the green outfit by Jenny Packham that she wore relatively recently—that's my favourite outfit from her. From her dress. pregnancy, no, the um, it was a coat and coat and dress. I can't remember which engagement it was for. Yes, I think it was yes. at a hospital. Yeah, that was a nice bright green, uh, very spring-like. Yes, uh, quite an unusual colour, quite minty and quite fresh. And you know, she looked like she was she looked like she was relaxed. And then my other favourite from this pregnancy is another Jenny Packham one. Not again, not the Bafta dress, although that is also <laughs> amazing, controversial as we've discussed in previous episodes yeah. by not being black, but still beautiful. Um, it was the the navy one that she wore for another medical engagement. I think it was at the RCN. It looked slightly nurse-like in some ways. It was that real dark navy matron blue with a jacket and a dress. Those are my favourites. Yeah, We've got 56 pictures of Kate's various <laughs> outings in, in a gallery that, that Danielle has compiled. Um, um, what were your what have you been well, your favourites, Amber? I, I agree with you that she has 
struggled, I think, with the weather, to be quite honest with you. I mean, she was criticised on her last royal tour, for example, some of the outfits. People felt that she wasn't quite as groomed and quite as up to, to kind of scratch as she has been in the past. But it was absolutely abysmal weather. And I think sometimes outfits that look good don't always photograph as well. And I think that actually my big bugbear is when she wears the really dark tights and then she has a dark outfit on as well. So when she wore the Burberry coat, for example, great coat, but then with, with the tights, it all just looked very heavy. Whereas recently, obviously the weather's been, well, a little bit better some days. <laughs> some, some days. Bad other days. But when she went to the Commonwealth Day service, for example, she was wearing a really beautiful bluer coat and um, a wide brim hat. But because she didn't wear the dark tights with it, she just looked very fresh. And I think it just looked more, she looked lighter and it looked more elegant. Whereas I think if that had been a colder day and she'd worn the black tights with that outfit, I probably wouldn't have loved it as much. So I think poor Kate, not only has she been very heavily pregnant, but she's had some really awful weather to contend with. <laughs> the coldest winter we've had for ages. But Snow she's looked awful. amazing the last couple of times she's, she's you know, stepped out. So, you know, I've, you've got to hand it to her. You know, she's, mm. She is really heavily pregnant. She's still, I think, as we've said, doing lots of appointments. She's still really busy and still managing to look absolutely amazing. I still love how she has championed Seraphine so much yes. in this pregnancy. Yep. And I just can't forget, like, there was this period of time where she just seemed to, every time she came out, was in a Seraphine dress. And I think she looks really good in them. And actually, it really reminds you that you don't need to spend thousands hundreds thousands of pounds on an outfit to look brilliant and when you look at her Scandinavia tour you know there's two Erdem dresses just not my favorites I don't think that they look fantastic and they are very expensive dresses and Beautiful then the evening, dresses, but yeah. they just weren't right I think she absolutely gets it right when she sticks to Alexander McQueen and Jenny Packer who we've mm. obviously mentioned quite a lot already mm. I think she just has an innate understanding of what suits Kate. And I think when they get together and discuss what she's going to wear, it just seems to always, always work for me. It, all the clean lines work for Kate and the colours are always spot on. And I think that's, that's the magic formula for her, really. So we've talked a few times before, I mentioned a few times before, that sometimes this pregnancy's felt quite a lot lower key than the previous two, partly also because we've got a royal wedding to look forward to and that's very exciting. But also because Kate has done this twice before and it you know charlotte was less excitement because it she won't be the future monarch yeah i mean there's 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 those elements isn't there with charlotte it was the case that um you know there wasn't the constitutional implications that there were with george we weren't talking about a future sovereign um but also we had been there before physically we'd seen the, you know the setting we knew what to expect but there was that extra element of excitement because we knew we had a boy and were we going to get a girl and if it was a royal baby girl that would be something different and of course it was and I think the excitement went on because of that but of course now you know we've got a boy and a girl and so whatever happens this time I think I think had she had two boys then there might have been that same feeling of this could be something different if it's a girl but either way now um we have been here before and yes i mean it's like real life isn't it you know second and third babies just no one makes the same fuss as, as they do with first babies the number of cards that i got for my first child versus the number of cards yeah. i got for my second child, <laughs> the number of presents the number of everything so I, I think it's different and you know there have been times in this pregnancy where you have almost forgotten that she's pregnant really and you know just it's just been a little add-on at the end of whatever you've been covering which they're probably very happy about because they would probably prefer to be able to be a little bit outside of the spotlight and just get on with their family life in this period of time 
But having said that, there's no question that in the days running up to the birth, as it gets closer, as we think, is it, when is it going to happen? Um, it becomes more inevitable that it could happen any day. The excitement will build, definitely. And there's no photographers, you know, rushing down to the Lindo wing right now. People are being restrained. I think with George, people were there from a lot, <laughs> from a long time before he was due. Yeah, people were quite hysterical. It's quite <laughs> difficult, yeah, quite difficult for that poor hospital. Obviously, it's a working hospital. Um, and people, you know, are holding off, and I think we'll see that for a little while longer. But at some point, it's going to get very exciting and people are going to build. And I'm sure we'll see the same thing that we saw with Charlotte, where I remember being down at the hospital and someone put up a sign, a parking sign. And I mean, you, there was just this rush of photographers rushing over the street and cameramen to film the sign and photograph it because nothing was happening so any <laughs> tiny detail was, was news and then you've got the story about the super fans who camped out and would probably do the same this time and it all just builds and then you have you know people doing stunts bringing big uh, people from fancy dress coming down to try and get publicity for various companies or whatever and that will probably happen again um so I think there's something we're and there's a huge interest internationally and it will be a huge story but I think just the period of time for which it is of interest will be shorter probably inevitably it will be a big story on the day and possibly the day after and then I think it will peter out very quickly depending what else is going on in the news agenda whereas George obviously went on for many days was kind of keen to discuss the, the what there was a lot to say yeah, about that exactly yeah. yeah well I don't know if there was a lot to say but there was a desire <laughs> for a lot, a lot to, to say yeah. <laughs> so what, what's, what are your memories from Prince George's arrival well Prince George's arrival my memory is of having my own baby <laughs> and of being interviewed by a TV crew 10 days after I'd had my own baby because Prince George was born um, and then obviously Charlotte I was outside the Lindo wing uh, for a long time I remember Thankfully, there is a cafe right across the <laughs> yeah. road from the Lindo Wing, and it's quite a big cafe, and it's quite good. And we could, you know, at least sit down somewhere, charge off phones and laptops and everything. So you actually can, you know, hang out there for a longer period of time because you're not just standing outside. It's a nice feeling of camaraderie among the British media and the international media. And the press office, once the barriers go up and once they expect people to be down there, are pretty helpful. Um, and uh, you've got the old kind of, you know, secret service person wandering around trying to be discreet. But I guess when you've done this job for long enough, you know okay. what they look like. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's nice. I mean, I'm hoping that the hysteria doesn't build too early this time because obviously Kate was late with both George and Charlotte. And with Charlotte, she's particularly late because the um, parking restrictions went up, I think, on the 14th of April last time. And there was a sign saying that they were going to be taken down at the end of April. And so we were thinking, right, well, that means it's going to be over by then. You know, she's going to have had the baby. But actually, Charlotte was born on May the 2nd. So it really went on for a bit, for a lot longer than, well, you know, longer than people expected. And I'm hoping that if excitement builds too early and she's late again, it's just well, it's a very long wait. I did some hokey pokey maths based on when she got sick when they actually announced stuff and I'm 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 looking at like late April that's where that's where I'm reckoning I think on. it will probably be born in late April even if it's due slightly earlier because she has tended to be late with both pregnancies and we possibly see that pattern but you just don't know I mean you you don't know what is going to happen maybe it will follow the same pattern as last time but anything could happen with 
the delivery as well. I mean, she could end up staying in for a couple of nights, which we're not expecting based on what happened previously, but you just you just yeah, don't every know. Every pregnancy is different, you just don't know. Exactly. And that's the thing, and we've talked about it before in relation to her morning sickness. Like, it's, you know, it's it's a very special time having a baby, but it is also quite dangerous. <laughs> it can be quite dangerous in some ways, but it's got to be so public all of it and you get sort of the yeah the notice that she's that she's going in and like pro almost progress yeah, updates so people it? are looking at their watches like oh i wonder yeah. what she's doing now <laughs> it must be very strange that must for her be really bizarre. Yeah. and like that sort of yeah you're something that's really personal and private and you know if it was documented you've, on you've the pro- hour. i'm guessing you would probably like tell your parents oh we're off to the hospital yeah, yeah. but I mean, Can you so, come and look after the other kids, please? I mean, you imagine how you're having a media pen erected outside a hospital for you giving birth. It must feel very strange. And this the one thing that will happen that happened with George and Charlotte is obviously this easel announcement that goes on the forecourt of Buckingham Palace, the announcement of royal births. So all those kind of formalities and... Yeah, I guess, I, th- I think what Kate's been very good at since she joined the royal family, she just does seem to have this kind of ability to be very self-contained and to be very calm and to just really kind of focus on what she needs to do. And she doesn't seem to get distracted by all the hype. Uh, she seems to have that facility in her personality, which is obviously going to stand her in very good stead for the rest of her life in the royal family and royal fans are already placing bets on names and whether it's going to be a girl or a boy they seem to be quite convinced that it's going to be a girl because first Alice was the favourite name and then Mary was the favourite name and now it seems like Alice is back to being the favourite name I have an Alice so I love (laughs) Alice obviously I think Anne would be a great name for a royal baby (laughs) it would be it would be it's never going to be Amber is it (laughs) <laughs> well, it. it's beautiful, but I think they've what we've seen them do in their previous two choices is to go with ultra traditional options. Yeah. Hasn't even been a slight variation. It's just been you know very very traditional royal names. With a third, maybe they could branch out a little bit, but I I would say you know Alice, Mary, Victoria, even Alexandra, all those names are. A good bet for a girl, obviously. For a girl, <laughs> for boys. So for the boys, I think I find it interesting that Albert has, is quite high in the betting, and I'm blaming that on the ITV series with Jenna Coleman oh, in with be, Albert yeah. because yeah. you know it's it's not a very it's not a very modern name. There aren't that many Alberts but around. But you do hear I mean, Albies, and you, I think what you get a lot now is people actually giving their children shortened versions of traditional names like Freddie. Theo, they, those names are very common, Archie, whereas historically you would have had Frederick, Theodore, Archibald, but they may, they could go for that more old-fashioned name, but then could call him Albie, so you, you, you don't... Well, like Harry, I guess, Henry and Henry and Harry, but yeah. what do you fancy for a boy's name then? Um, for a boy, I think we've got to look to James, I think Philip could be a good option oh, as well for yes, a boy. Oh, um, Maybe... Arthur, I think, is another traditional royal name. What do you fancy, Amber? Oh, I, I can't like the idea of Albert now that you've mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> um, and people are already getting excited as well that there might be another royal baby before too long. Um, obviously, Harry and Meghan are getting married. Meghan is in her mid to late 30s. She's got plenty of time, but equally... 
she was talking in Belfast and it did sound like she might rather want to crack on when she was looking at a load of baby paraphernalia and uh, delighted everybody by saying, oh, I think we might need the whole lot at some stage. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there can be any doubt that shortly after the wedding, that would be something that's very much on their minds. They kind of said so, didn't they? I mean, I think in their engagement interview, they were a little bit more sort of, like, oh, well, you know, something we want, but... But I, I, I would be very surprised if, if you know, we didn't see that being something that was in the near future because of their ages and because of where they are in their life stages. They're just ready for it. Harry's been talking for so long about wanting kids. He said a few years ago, I want kids right. I'd love to have kids right now. There's no question that they're ready and it's, and it's what they want. So I think we'll see. I think we'll see it happen, hopefully, very soon. Um, they've completed their tour in inverted commas of of the uk so they've they'd already made visits to wales and to scotland now they've been to northern ireland exactly, as well yeah. um, they, they, they went to northern ireland um for a day unannounced visits to northern ireland are always unannounced until they touch down so that was the same followed the same pattern as all royal visits and they went to see a, a quite a selection of projects in northern ireland youth-led projects um they went to you know sort of local Gems. They went to a, a pub that's very famous in Belfast. I've been there. It's very nice. I have too. It's Professor really cool. Luke. Yeah. Uh, also, my partner's from Belfast, so we go quite frequently. And um, they, yeah, they really kind of got to know. Megan wanted to get to know the whole of the UK. It was very important for them to visit all corners of the UK. And obviously, Northern Ireland is the final piece in that puzzle. Um, Her outfit. We have to talk about that. She looked absolutely incredible. I mean. Sometimes I look at her and I think she could be on the set of a movie, let's be honest. it's all she just looks absolutely flawless, very, very elegant. A skirt this time. It was what no a skirt. Trousers. It was amazing. It was a really, really fabulous skirt. It was the green midi skirt was by Greta Constantine. I mean she managed to do her very clever thing of combining some Canadian designers and then mixing in Victoria Beckham jumpers. So we had a touch of British in there, and then the bag, the Bloomsbury satchel was obviously by Charlotte Elizabeth, who's a British designer. So we had a nice mixture there. Jimmy Choo shoes. I love the velvet. I thought that was a very nice touch. Um, very feminine and very fresh, I thought she looked. And of course, we had the messy bun. We love the Hooray! messy bun. Everyone could do back. that bun. We yeah. might not all be able to have that lovely, long, shiny hair, but we can all do that bun. So, yeah, I just think it was a lovely combination of looking elegant and young and fresh and yeah she just gets it right every time i think there's always something sort of quite classy and chic if you can carry it off when you your coat is longer than the skirt and yes. it kind of looks i don't know it's some kind of uh, hollywood-esque yes that's what i mean but she, i think she i'd look idiotic she could be on i think that's set. so true and I, and I was thinking that it just it's amazing how she manages to wear do looks that are quite relaxed and even we call the messy bun might look scruffy on some people but it just doesn't look scruffy and it really <laughs> looks like she is so perfectly polished even though the outfit itself has very relaxed edge. Yeah if you take them if you pick the outfit apart they're very very simple pieces I mean there's nothing you know too flashy or flamboyant there at all they're all really simple and elegant I like the fact that the water you mentioned that the, the fact that the coat's slightly lo longer than the skirt but of course it has that waterfall front to it and then of course the skirt kind of flutes out at the bottom so it's all very very carefully thought out and put together and a splash of colour not yeah. you know not still mostly neutral but definitely not entirely 
monochrome. No, she's time. But a little nod to colour in there. Today a dark green. We've just had breaking news announcement for the next event for Harry and Meghan, which has come Ooh. through while we've been here. Um, they will attend the UK team trials for the Invictus Games Sydney 2018, which is obviously Ooh. happening later on this year. Um, in Australia and there's going to be trials for the UK team held in Bath next Friday the 6th of April and they will be there. Oh, so. trip to the West Country. Oh, they're Very keeping good. busy. So it's not long now until Harry and Meghan are actually going to be walking down the aisle. Woo-hoo. The big day. Um, more bits and pieces coming out about the wedding. A few bits that I discussed with Jenny last week with the invitations emerging. Um, and then since then it appears that they haven't necessarily always invited couples. It's not necessarily been the Mr. and the Mrs. who've received an invitation. Yeah, well, this has come from a journalist who saw some of the invitations and saw that there was an invitation to a, part, a male person who I presume he knew was with us with someone who wasn't included on the invitation. Um, it's tricky to know how much that it tells us about the whole pattern all the way through. My, my feelings on this would be that in a situation where they know both both partners in the couple they will both have been invited and maybe with their very close personal friends they will have invited their plus ones but with people like heads of charities or people who they know in maybe a slightly more distant capacity if all of those people were to get plus ones it would significantly reduce the number of people they could have from lots of different areas so it sort of makes sense to me really Um, stop somewhere yeah because you're (laughs) essentially you know because they are having a lot of their close friends obviously and they're having a lot of people that they work with closely that they that they know well but if they were to I think if they were to extend plus ones to everyone it, it wouldn't work so I can I can see the logic in that but I wouldn't I'm not convinced that it's a hard and fast rule for every guest be a bit more fluid and then um some more uh, information come out about Thomas Markle um Megan's dad um Mirror reported uh, quotes from a friend of his, Laurie Davis, who's been having dinner with him and things, and says that he's been talking regularly with Harry on the phone. They've been talking about the wedding. Yeah, which is really nice. I mean, obviously, Harry still hasn't met him, which is interesting, and we would hope that he would meet him before the wedding. But the fact that they're in communication is clearly a sign that Harry and Meghan see him as a very important part of the day. Of course he is. Um, And things are pointing very much to him walking her down the aisle we haven't been given a complete confirmation that that's the plan um but it is looking like that that will happen and it also seems likely that he will get his own coat of arms coats of arms <laughs> coats Ask of arms. me anything i know all about them <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those like really traditional nice grand things that's just you know quite special and a bit I don't know, old-fashioned, old I guess. Old-fashioned is probably the word I would choose, words I would choose. Um, so, coats of arms, uh, this is obviously, this story has come about largely because people have looked to what happened with Kate and William's wedding and said, oh, the Middletons got given a coat of arms. Michael Middleton, Kate's father, got a coat of arms. So, of course, Thomas Markle's going to get one as well. And it does make sense. Now, the reason that the Middletons got a coat of arms, my understanding is that because once Kate married William, they were given a combined coat of arms. And obviously she can't have anything to combine if she doesn't have her own. So as coats of arms and so many things do, 
passed down the male line. It's her father who has given the coat of arms, which then she can use to combine with William to bring about their combined coat of arms. Now, coats of arms are not, perhaps people imagine that this is something that the Queen has to appoint or has to be formally done by a member of the royal family. It's not actually the case. A lot more people can get coats of arms than you would imagine. I know. I, don't, I think they like to keep this low key. Um, but it is something that is managed by the College of Arms and they can award them. And you can apply and criteria include you know, having a university degree or having standing in the community, which obviously a lot of people would be in those categories. Um, and then you you know you get a design drawn up and it gets approved and then you get officially granted and you have to pay some money as well um, to get your coat of arms. Um, so I I think it's probably quite likely that Thomas Markle will get one and that will be because Meghan will be able to use that to have her combined coat of arms with Prince Harry when they get married. Um, the Middleton's one was made personal to them. It had um, acorns on, three acorns for the three Middleton children. It had some gold in it to reflect the fact that Carol's maiden name is Goldsmith. Uh, it's quite a simple design though, it wasn't overly ostentatious, so we'll probably be interesting, interesting to see what happens there. That's exciting and it's it's been nice as well. I think some of Kate's jewellery that she's had since has been taken inspiration from the coat of arms with I think yeah, oak leaves with the and oak that leaves, kind of... yeah obviously from Berkshire oak trees apparently prolific in that area so oh, I, was, I was thinking about what I might have to have on my coat of arms I think I have to have like a ballroom dancer and something to represent Cornwall where I'm originally yeah, from yeah, you see? which would be cream an odd tea. combination cream tea <laughs> <laughs> with the jam and the cream the right way up yeah oh the flag how about you what would, what would be on your coats of arms oh um I have absolutely no idea. Grafland, what's that? A duke and land, and then maybe um, an amber stone. Mm, Ooh. An amber stone, yeah. Mm. I can make mine look quite regal Gosh. and pretentious, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, you mentioned about the royal family attending a service at Windsor, mm. at St George's Chapel, in fact, the venue that will be the exactly, wedding venue. Yeah. Um, we obviously expect to see the royal family at Christmas at Sandringham. What how do they how do they mark Easter? What's the sort of royal tradition and how are we expecting them to mark it this year? Well the Queen spends Easter at Windsor. Windsor she spends the month of Easter at Windsor Castle. She also goes there most weekends as well, spends the week in Buckingham Palace. Um so the location for all the Easter activities is Windsor. Uh, she attends the Easter Sunday service at St George's Chapel, Windsor, and she will be joined by members of her family this this year. As I said, we don't know yeah, if Kate's going to go, I would expect we'll see Meghan and Harry there as well, which would be really interesting because that's obviously them appearing where they're going to be, the venue they're going to be married. So that's quite be quite exciting if that does happen. One to look out for, definitely. Yeah, exactly. As I said, no complete confirmation, but I would expect that to be the case. Um, and the Queen also has a tradition on Maundy Thursday, so the day before Good Friday, she attends a service. Um, she usually goes to churches or cathedrals around the country. Last year, I think she was in Leicester. This year, actually, the service is going to be in Windsor at St George's Chapel, and she hands out Maundy money. So that's money that is given to pensioners, and she always gives out the number, or she always gives out. Um, the same number to the same number of people as, as her age. So this year she'll give out ninety-two. Um, I hope she's got a big purse. Because, yeah, because she is ninety-two. She's unbelievable. A Lorna handbag. Yeah. <laughs> and each recipient receives 
two purses, one red and one right, white, and this year the red purse will contain a £5 coin commemorating four generations of royalty and a 50 pence coin commemorating the representation of the People Act, I'm reading this by the way in case you can't tell, 1918, which reformed the electoral system in Great Britain and Ireland, giving women the right to vote for the first time, oh, so that's oh, quite exciting. Yeah. What a great thing to commemorate. Yeah, so she hands out more money, I mean it's symbolic more, um, the, the white purse contains uniquely minted Maundy money. Um, and this takes the form of one, two, three, and four silver penny pieces, the sum of which equals the number of years of the monarch's age. Highly collectible. So that's quite exciting. Yeah, exactly. It must yeah. be. Yeah. I think historically it was actually meant to be giving alms money to pensioners, to real money to spend, but now it's much more of a kind of symbolic act and it's about the commemoration and, as you say, collectibles. Um, talking about collectibles, um, Faith several weeks ago had asked us about the um, official memorabilia yes. for the wedding, and at that time we said that there would be some coming out, but not as yet. So now to, we do actually have something official. So yeah, the royal collection, royal collection, obviously the the official body that does all of the official memorabilia has launched a range of a wedding, which will be on sale, and I'm sure we'll go like hotcakes in all of the um, royal souvenir shops, Buckingham Palace, Sandringham, Windsor Castle, Kensington Palace, they'll be on sale there. And yes, yeah, so, so it contains the couple's initials, in this case meaning that they are H&M, <laughs> like the High Street store, <laughs> which, you know, what can you do? That's their initials. <laughs> but it is interesting because obviously Megan has got this situation where she's got, you know, she's actually christened Rachel. And in some situations, um, like when the Queen granted her official permission to the Privy Council, we've seen her use the name Rachel. And it'll be interesting to see what she uses in her wedding vows because she's very made it very clear that she sees her name as Megan and they call her Meghan Markle, Ms. Meghan Markle in everything that they put out. And they were obviously gone with Megan for the official, um, for the China, for the... Um, royal memorabilia but will she have to be Rachel in her wedding vows as she had to be Rachel in the official legal document that the Queen was signing so that would be interesting to see. Could they not have been M&H rather than H&M? H&M because you've got the groom first um, that would be tradition however what is quite funny about William and Kate's situation was um, when they had their china done obviously somebody realised that WC. Super Catherine. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's maybe not the best look. So their letters were actually arranged so that the C was was above the W. Um, and so, so it can happen. It the can, can happen, yeah. That. They've obviously decided H&M is not as troublesome as WC. <laughs> maybe it's good they just don't shop there. Yeah. So. <laughs> God, they've got to pick up on that and do something clever, surely, H&M. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, at least we've got something proper now rather than the... Um, frankly quite alarming dolls that seem to be getting put out from the some of the uh, I mean other retailers so much unofficial stuff and some of it will be fun some of it will be just ridiculous um some of it probably be very nice I mean Emma Bridgewater she's done quite a classy looking cup so she does you know quite nice stuff but there's going to be so much out there and presumably there'll be royal baby memorabilia as well yeah we'll see for George and Charlotte they issued a collect a range they do sort of tang cards and um, little trinkets. So I expect we'd see that same thing as well. 
Now, I need to share my royal story because I was having breakfast last week at Chaconi's in Mayfair and suddenly the whole restaurant went rather quiet and I noticed a Rolls Royce pull up outside and it was the Queen arriving yeah. at the RAC and I thought that everybody in Mayfair would be far too cool and far too composed to do anything other than just watch her stroll in. The whole restaurant emptied out, piled into the street, including all the staff. I was the only person left at my table. Obviously, I did run out eventually when I realised what was going on. And yeah, we watched the Queen and she walked into the RAC. We all stood outside for an hour in the freezing cold. I couldn't feel my toes anymore. And she, we watched her leave. And as her car drove down the street, she waved and I like to think that she waved at me. Uh -oh. And I think it's probably because she's been listening to our podcast and she knows who I am. <laughs> I'm sure that is the case. Well, ma'am, thank you very much for listening. And thank you to all our listeners for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this show. We'll be back next week. Have a very happy Easter. Um, if you have enjoyed the show, then leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We'd love to have that. And do subscribe to make sure you get the episode next time around. So thank you, ladies, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time. Pod save the Queen! 